So Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and that means that you might be encountering a lot of Instagram-worthy pictures and posts about relationships and marriages over the next few days. And the vocation of marriage is incredible. God draws spouses closer to the ultimate heavenly marriage through the power of this incredible sacrament, and that doesn't mean that marriage is always easy. And it isn't always like what we imagined it was going to be like when we were newlyweds. The reality of marriage involves communication and miscommunication, healing and intimacy, and it's messy and it's good. So what I want to do today as we get close to a day set aside for celebrating the beauty of love is sort through what struggles we can expect in healthy marriages and introduce you to a woman who has practical advice on how to grow deeper in relationship to your spouse and the Lord through this incredible vocation. Welcome to Letters to Women. It's a podcast where we explore and embrace what St. Pope John Paul II called the feminine genius, this unique strength and dignity that we have as women and what growing in that looks like in our daily lives. This is not a podcast about defining the perfect way to be a Catholic woman or shoving yourself into a box or a set of expectations that you never really feel like you fit into. Instead, you'll find conversations with women in a variety of seasons of life, and you'll hear about how they are living out their own unique feminine genius. And this is all offered as an encouragement for you to discover more about who you are and how you are called to live out that feminine genius. My name is Chloe Langer. I'm a Catholic wife and mom living in Kansas City, and I sit down to record these conversations with other women about the feminine genius after toddler bedtimes, and I love ending the evening with a good conversation about one of my favorite topics, the feminine genius, and being able to share those conversations conversations with you. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Beth Sri. Beth's been married to her husband, Edward, for more than 20 years, and together they've written a book called The Good, The Messy, and The Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. Beth and I are talking about how to resist this temptation to build up walls in your marriage, why it's important to build individual prayer time, and the real-life differences between men and women and what that actually means for marriage. So regardless of whether you're single, preparing for marriage, or you've had a wedding ring on your finger for decades. This letter, it's for you. Today's episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by Sacred Heart Tea Company. One of my favorite parts of Joseph and I's routine in the evenings after we tuck the girls into bed is brewing a cup of tea and spending time together. Sacred Heart Tea Company creates loose leaf teas based on the lives of the saints. So their tea shop is full of greens, blacks, and herbal teas, as well as caffeine-free teas for those nighttime routines. If you don't know where to start, you can check out their Communion of Saints sampler, which features sample sizes of all their teas. You can find out more at sacredhearttea.com and use the code LETTERS to get 10% off your purchase at checkout. That's sacredhearttea.com with the code LETTERS for 10% off. Happy sipping. Today, I'm welcoming Beth Sri to the podcast. A graduate of Benedictine College, Beth was among the first focused missionaries in the country. Today, in addition to raising eight children with her husband, Edward, Beth continues to lead and invest in those around her. You'll often find her encouraging women who are living the call to marriage and motherhood through mentorship, small group gatherings, and retreats. Beth is a contributor to the Ave Prayer Book for Catholic Mothers and a presenter in the acclaimed film series, Beloved, Finding Happiness in Marriage. She speaks at conferences on the topics of healing, spirituality, marriage, and motherhood, as well as helping lead retreats for the life-giving wounds ministry for adult children of divorce, for which she also serves on the board of directors. Beth has been a guest on many podcasts, including Among the Lilies, Made for Love, Catholic Answers, and All Things Catholic, and occasionally leads pilgrimages with her husband to Rome. Though not Italian, she relishes cooking up authentic Italian food for her growing family, and when she's not in the kitchen making a quadruple batch of pasta or chauffeuring children to and fro, Beth can be found on a long run out in the Colorado sunshine, curled up or in an annotated Jane Austen novel. Beth and her husband Edward live in Colorado with her eight 
kids, Beth. Welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good to sit down with you. Thanks, Chloe. It's such a great treat to be here. So today we're going to be talking about marriage, tearing down walls that keep us from unity in our marriages, and finding healing. But first, Beth, could you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? You know, when I was in college, one of the very first conversations I ever had with my husband, he asked what I wanted to do with my business degree. And I said, well, I'd like to be the CEO of a large corporation, preferably with an international presence. And he was like, oh, wow. I love how God uses our, our very simple desires because we joke now that I am a sort of CEO for a large corporation. It's called the Sri family, you know, in a sort of way. Yeah, I grew up in Kansas. We now live in Denver, as you said. We have eight children, ages 22 to six. Our oldest just got married the end of December. It was so beautiful, so wonderful. It's just so amazing to be a mother-in-law now. Married 23 years, and I just I'm just amazed at what our Lord has done in my life. Seriously, like there are so many little things that I just, I stand in awe, whether it's my kids or my husband or the people around me. And the more, the older I get, the more I'm just like, whoa, you know, it's really great. So you've recently co-authored a new book with your husband and it's called The Good, The Messy and The Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. And it's published by Ascension. I'd love to hear the inspiration behind this new book and about what it was like to write a book with your husband. Yeah, well, during the pandemic times, you know, we, everything was on Zoom. And so there were certain marriage conferences and and talks and things where usually my husband who travels to speak and do other things, he goes by himself and I'm here holding down the fort. Well, during the times of the lockdown, all of a sudden I could join him. So we put together some presentations and they were very well received. Folks were telling us like, wow, that was so helpful. We've not heard anything like that before. And so we realized that we had something here. And my husband, of course, he's very prolific in in his writings. He's like, honey, we need to write a book about this. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? So it kind of started from there. We found a marriage market, so to speak, you know, in terms of like the books and what's offered as resources. There's a lot of really beautiful things that lay out the the theology of marriage, you know, the really high high stuff that we should all aspire to. And then that's coupled with a lot of the how-tos, you know, five ways to fight fair, three ways to improve communication with your spouse. And, and these are both opposite ends of the spectrum, but both necessary and needed. We found there wasn't anything really in the middle about the realities of entering into marriage and the awesome joys that one can find there, but also just being real about how hard certain aspects of it it really are. And so that's what we wanted to really focus on in our talks and then what led to the actual book itself. I remember being engaged and reading through Theology of the Body and just being so pumped about marriage and it is so good. And then getting into marriage, which is still good. It's a beautiful sacrament being like, wait a second. (laughs) What about like sharing calendars and these disagreements that we have about (laughs) communication? Like I didn't have that um, going into it. And so you guys mentioned this throughout the book where it's easy to go into marriage and not have good set of expectations for each other and for your sacrament. Whereas it's like the reality is this is a sacrament with two messy people and, and there is going to be struggle in that that's not that doesn't make marriage not good or not a good sacrament and that's the the beauty of it and and the hardship of it is that you're going to fail in it you know like nobody nails marriage because it's two people you're coming at it in different ways and one thing that john paul ii says is that the same god who called the couple to marriage to one another continues to call them 
throughout the marriage. And, and I love that image because, you know, as single women, I wonder if you were like this, Chloe, you know, you were like, who am I called to marry? I know I'm called to this vocation. Who is it? Oh, it's you. Okay, great. And, and we tend to think of that walk down the aisle as finishing a, a great race. Like we found it, we're here, we've arrived at the finish line. Whereas in reality, that walk down the aisle in our beautiful dress to meet our husband is just the starting line of a lifelong marathon that you're going to be slogging it out together in the best sort of way. I'm a, I love running, right? So to me, this is like, yeah, but it, it's just the beginning of it all. And, um, and that's what God envisions when he calls us together. We are, we take our vows. We're locked in, so to speak, that he has a journey for us. You know, these children he wants to bless us with, these crosses that he wants to strengthen us by, these ways that he's going to continue to call us to his very heart. But it, we, and we don't know what the journey is going to be like, but we know he'll never abandon us. In, in the book, you guys share a quote, I think it's by St. Francis de Sales, who talks about how marriage is the vocation that doesn't have any, like, an, a novitiate. The, 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 with the beginning is yeah. like, you're, you already vowed, you're in. And so, yes, the, re, the reality of this being a continuing, like, there's always someplace deeper to grow in a relationship with the Lord and a relationship with our spouse through, through the Lord as well. Totally. I like to think of marriage as um, the roller coaster Space Mountain in Disneyland. So it's a unique roller coaster because it's in the dark. So I, you, you get in the little car, the roller coaster, you buckle yourself in, just like in marriage, you say your vows till death do us part. You're in it to win it. And then you don't know which, where you're going. You're up, down, sideways, upside down. You don't know if you're, you, when it's going to end, how it's going to go. And we love that, right? There's a thrill in Space Mountain. And there's likewise a thrill in marriage. It's just a lot, lasts a lot longer. So it's really, yeah, there's so, so much to it much to it. In one of the chapters, you guys share a conversation that you had together about a new laptop that you had wanted for writing. And the experience in that conversation that you'd had together made you pull back and build up a wall around your heart. And I think when our spouse hurts us, it's really tempting to pull back and withdraw. Can you talk a little bit about some of the walls that we put up in our marriages and how we tear down those walls and work towards unity in marriage? Just to give some background on that story, I said I wanted to start writing, you know, and really kind of, cause I guess it's it, today, it's, it seems like a no brainer, right? Everybody has a laptop, but back then it was like to have a laptop was a bigger deal. And so we had a family desktop and um, I was always fighting with the kids to even be on it for shopping or whatever. And so I pitched the idea and my darling husband was, who's very pragmatic. It's like, well, why don't you write some things first and then we'll see if it's a good thing to do. Not understanding how that would sting. And so I, I remember, I think I was cutting his hair when he said it. And I just kind of like my back straightened, I kind of bristled and, you know, just kind of shut down interiorly. And I think that's so common, at least, and I can't speak for, for everybody, but um, when we feel misunderstood, when we feel hurt, when we make a bid for connection with our spouse, so to speak, and it doesn't go well to just either write them off completely or to interiorly at first get angry. Well, of course he doesn't understand. He never understands. Why did I even think he would understand? Or just to be like, oh, well, that was just dumb that I even thought to ask him, you know? And so there's, there's often not a lot of great options when we're left to our own devices. But when we can realize like, okay, I'm not feeling great about connecting with him right now. Okay. 
I need to think about why. I am remembering that conversation. He said this, and I took it this way. It really hurt my feelings. I need to bring that to his attention. There's lots of ways we can do this, and we do do this with women. We can nag. We can get mad at him about something else. You know, we can just not talk as much. But instead to really be like, my husband loves me. I know he loves me. And I want to encourage him to stay in that place of loving me and and show love and honor to him. And so there's times where I could be like, okay, I know you didn't mean this. But for instance, in that conversation, when when I said I, I wanted this, it was hard for me to, to bring that up because it was a very vulnerable thing to ask for. And And when you responded with that, well, why don't you do this first? It felt like you wanted me to show if I was good enough to even be worthy of this computer. It, it made me not want to tell you more things. And as soon as he realized that, again, completely didn't realize what his words would do to my heart. He was like, no, no, not at all. I just wanted to be sure it was going to be a good use of the money because it's a lot of money. And I'm like, I know. And that's why it was hard to ask. And so then he was like, no, go get the laptop. I support you. Do it. And and the irony of that is that that was the laptop I was using to write the story about the laptop for our book. But I, I think for us to have that that mind of, my husband does love me. Sometimes he just, I need to point things out, but not in a, a nagging, vindictive way. I just want to assume the positive intent that he had for me. Or, or even if there's other things, just to give him the benefit of the doubt. And just when you did this, it made me feel like this because it led me to believe this. I can imagine there were other factors for your response. I just wanted to circle back and and for you to know so that we could repair this, you know, wound in our relationship because I do love you. You're important to me. Like what husband wouldn't enter into that space, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's having that courage to revisit that again. And I think too, like the interior awareness, there's been times in, in Joseph and I's marriage where I'll withdraw and then it'll be a couple of days. And when I sit there and think like, gosh, why am I in a bad mood? Why have I been struggling the past couple of days? in relating to Joseph or our kids or even friends and how it's impacted that and just tracing it all the way back to, oh, it was this conversation where that that hurt and being able to put words to that interiorly and then just share that again and bring it up again and, and explain kind of a vantage point is really, there's a beauty and a courageousness in, in, that, in that act of love. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the, the idea of courage because, you know, in marriage, it's not for wimps. You know, there's so much that comes at us and to stay united is really key. One of my old spiritual directors um, gave me the phrase and it, it's become kind of a, you know, a, a pillar, so to speak. And that's three words, unity with imperfection. You know, the idea of it's not going to be exactly ideal and exactly perfect, but if he and I can be united around whatever it is that's coming at us or what we need to decide or disciplining the kids or making decisions, that the unity is what's going to get us there. It's not that whatever we're doing is perfect. And that takes a lot of courage, especially in our day and age to say, I'm not going to be perfect but we're going to be united in it. You know, one topic when couples are going through marriage prep and something that usually comes up when it's talking about imperfections and what you want to bring into a marriage and and what that looks like is this topic of family of origin. And I think many of us thought, you know, our, our past doesn't really impact us. Yeah, we grew up in this family, but we're going to choose something maybe different or maybe similar in some ways. But you guys point out in this book that our upbringing does impact our marriage. And usually it's a lot more than we realize. 
And unfortunately, those wounds don't go away just because we have this beautiful Catholic wedding mass. Could you tell me about how marriage has made you aware of areas that God wants to heal and maybe some things that women should keep in mind if they're realizing something from my past is coming up and it's impacting the marriage that I'm in today? We do take that, our experiences with us into marriage for better or worse, right? It's so hard because there's such a mindset of, I, I want to get this right. And, and the feeling that the stakes are high and they are, but sometimes there's a quote from Pope Francis. It's not in our book, but I just, it just speaks so plainly to this. And he says, our wounds are points of intimacy with God. And the idea is that, that whatever heartache we've had in the past, whatever heartache we're experiencing now, that's an, an invitation from our Lord to meet him. But oftentimes we don't want to go there. We'd rather turn away. We'd rather numb. We'd rather do something else. Um, it's just hard to stay in that, that spot. And in marriage, there are so many times where our spouse or our children unwittingly can, can poke a finger into that wound. And we may not even consciously be aware that we're reacting to something that happened years ago, but it can evoke in us a reaction that's completely out of proportion for what is required in the moment. Um, an example of this, and this is just a, by way of analogy, my husband and I, we like to walk after dinner. Our kids are older now. And so, especially when it's been a very hectic season, we'll have dinner and then he and I will put our coats on or our shoes on and, you know, peace out guys, we're gonna go for a walk, you clean the kitchen. It's fantastic. And I just need that silence and that time to just connect with him, fresh air, no distractions. And it's a beautiful little respite in the day. There's one time he reached for my hand and I let go of it. And he reached again and I let go of it again. And then finally, a third time we're walking, he reaches for my hand and I, I kind of shake it off. And then he just is like, he stopped walking and turned to me real, you know, he's Italian. So he's using his arms. Why, do you, why won't you let me hold your hand? And I explained to him, I actually banged my hand on the handle of the refrigerator today. There's this huge gash here. It hurts when you hold my hand. And he was like, oh, okay, okay, that makes total sense. Thank you for telling me. But our wounds, our interior hardships and brokenness can be a lot like that, that our husbands, they think they're being cuddly or they think they're being loving or they think they're being helpful with their words or their actions. And they, and they come up against something that causes us pain. And they don't understand it, oftentimes because we don't even understand it. Maybe we are feeling shame about our reaction, you know, we're feeling bad, we're feeling like, you know, we just didn't do that well, or, or my reaction's too much, and we just kind of pile up on that. But in reality, God designed marriage in order to divinely poke at us, so to speak, so that we will meet him in these tough places so that he can actually heal us. It's so different than we anticipate it, right? We think we're gonna get into marriage and I'm gonna love my spouse to heaven and that's my goal. And that's such a noble, beautiful idea. And I really hope that, that you know, my, my loving of Ted and my vocation with him will allow him to reach, you know, heaven and sanctification. And I know he feels the same for me, but oftentimes it's it's that place where we have to to do the work of uncovering our past or do the work of, you know, apologizing for our mistakes against one another, or really entering into that deep place of vulnerability 
and and being raw with one another that that's where salvation is reached that's where we find healing is in these deep dark places it's not that i say a novena for him or pray for him before a big meeting at work that's important and that's helpful and necessary but it's the deeper undercurrent of what god is doing in our souls and bringing that up and out and to fruition that's really the stuff of our vocation. When we're acting out of that woundedness, it's it's hard to even be in the present moment with our spouse there. That in, interiorly, it's easy to tap back into like, oh, that's like I'm seven again. And I'm having this the same emotion that I've experienced and I've tried and been, I've been unpacking for three decades now. And here I am. And to experience God's healing there and to experience healing in your marriage and your specific vocation that you're called into is just this beautiful gift of being able to just be there, to be present with your spouse in that moment instead of instead of seven-year-old you to be to be fully present. And that just that takes time. And all these words that we've been talking about, courage and vulnerability and awareness and authenticity. And it's hard. And I found too with a lot of my own my own healing journey is I had to go and sort it out with a therapist, with our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, in confession, in spiritual direction, because I didn't have words to my experience. You know, like my my parents divorced when I was four or five years old, you know, somewhere around there. And, and I had to stuff down so many memories and experiences just to survive, you know, and nobody saw me in that because our culture says kids are resilient. And as long as the parents are happy, then the kids will be happy as if there's some trickle down effect to happiness, you know? And it wasn't until my late thirties that I was really like, I need to really go into these places. And my husband wanted to be there, but I found it was so so heavy and so deep within. I didn't have words. And so the, the therapy, the adoration, the spiritual direction, the confession, the journaling, you know, the ministry life-giving wounds that I'm a part of now really allowed me to have that vocabulary to articulate to him you know, more of what I experienced and, and what I'd been through and, and how our interactions were poking into that and, and how the way that we'd even done marriage up until that point, like we really needed to have a gigantic reset, you know, and how I even started to have more of a voice within our relationship, within our, our the home. Um, not to say that I didn't have one, but it just, it wasn't, it wasn't clear and it wasn't, I wasn't as confident in using it. And so bringing him into that once I'd sorted through it, at least a little bit, and don't get me wrong, I don't stand here as someone who's healed. Like I'm very much still on this journey. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and I, I hope to be for the rest of my life. But, but having that initial vocabulary and bringing him in once I had a handle, and even he'd come to therapy with me because I, I was like, I, you know, like, dear Dr. So-and-so, can you talk to him about this? I don't, I don't even know how. And she did. And he could hear it. And it, it really revolutionized things within our relationship. And I'm so, so grateful. You know, one of the chapters in this new book that I absolutely loved was this emphasis on individual prayer 
And a lot of marriage programs, the ones that Joseph and I did in our marriage prep, they've put this big emphasis on the importance of spouses praying together, which is important. But I did not hear when I was when I was prepping for marriage this idea of like, no, it's it is important. Like you're saying, it's important to do healing work, um, whether that's with a spiritual director or a therapist. But it's also important to have an individual prayer life. What does that look like practically, though? Like, how do we build the habit of daily prayer if we're in the season of growing families and growing careers? And what have you learned over the years that's helped you and Edward have just a consistent daily prayer life? It's something you just have to like be almost an acrobat with the prayer time over the years and and the course of the demands of the vocation. Principle I like to keep in mind is where are my first fruit? You know, what is that first moment that I'm available to give to our Lord? You know, if, if I'm in a season where no one is waking up in the middle of the night and everyone's healthy, I, that could be first thing in the morning, you know, and that was, that was a period of, of time for me where I had my coffee made. I'd literally roll out of bed, chug it, pray, and then go off to the races. There were times where that first fruit was the first nursing session when everybody else seemed to be contained or maybe the first nap time or the first break I would get. Sometimes it was even just as soon as my husband got home. Hi, honey. It's so good to see you. Hug, kiss. I've not prayed yet today. He'd be like, oh, give me the baby. Go upstairs for 20 minutes. You know, it was just understood that that was both, it was a goal for both of us. And we wanted each other to receive that. There are even times, Chloe, this may sound crazy. I don't think this one's in the book, but my, my prayer time was every time I went to the bathroom. You know, when the kids were young, I I keep my my prayer book up there, and every time I visited it, I would read a new <laughs> section. And I met our Lord on the toilet. You know, I I hear there's a quote from Saint Teresa of Avila that she says the same thing, and I'm like, I yes, solidarity with Saint Teresa. But it had to be that way. And I know our Lord was pleased and probably chuckled, but He blessed that time. He blessed that time and and I know he was grateful for it. And he was just as eager to meet me in whatever circumstances I was offering as I was hoping to to receive from him. So yeah, you just gotta stay with it. For those of us who like we love our routines and we love our schedules, it can be really hard to let go of those prayer those prayer it's like the time blocks that you had blocked out for it as the day just kind of like slips past you or goes down the drain some days. And so just being able to be flexible is something that I I am continuing to learn. So it was really lovely to see you guys speak into that. I'm like, oh yep, that's that's what there there's gotta be some flexibility there. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is an art. So you you and I are living the vocation of marriage, but a lot of women who tune into this podcast are, are single, maybe they're dating, they're engaged. Do you have any advice for women who are in different seasons of life, who maybe haven't, haven't made those vows at, at the altar um, when it comes to preparing to enter into the vocation of marriage? Maybe they're, they're hoping that they're called to that or they're confident, but there's, they're missing the other half of that um, vocational discernment. Do you have any words of wisdom to offer them? Yeah. So just what we are talking about, like to, to really dive headlong into your relationship with Jesus Christ and to really spend that time discovering who he is as your Lord and Savior and your beloved and your creator and your friend who knows you inside and out, but still wants to hear about your day from you. You know, like that, even if it's that relationship will change the way that you communicate and, and encounter one another, having that foundation is is everything before you get into your particular space mountain of marriage. The other thing I would say, if you're 
really wanting to gear up and prepare is I said this to my teenage sons as well is to sacrifice well like to become very and to suffer well to become comfortable being uncomfortable and what does that look like that looks like making a commitment to serve in whatever way a youth group or you know you're going to babysit for a family you know every tuesday night or you know, getting up early to work at the soup kitchen. Maybe you do this with your fiance, for instance. But but where is it really suffering is when there's a party, your best friend's having a party and it's on a Tuesday night to still go and babysit for that family. And you just stayed up late the night before, but you have to be at the soup kitchen at 8 a.m. and you still get up and go. Um, my son, my oldest son, Paul, he has worked for the last summer and he's doing it again this summer up at um, a very remote Catholic adventure camp. It's called Camp Voitiwa here in Colorado. It's, but I look at what he goes through as a camp counselor. I mean, they live in teepees the whole summer. Some, most of the time they sleep outside and they are serving and, and leading and putting others first the entire summer. And, and I look at these, these missionaries, these camp counselors, when we had them all over to our house this last summer for a meal, like this is the best vocational preparation that you could have because you're getting into it. You, your life is not your own. Your life is lived for others and you're finding joy in it. You know, sure, it's only eight weeks, but it's still a taste of, of the joy and the suffering and, and the hard work that the great spiritual fruits and, and to just really offer yourself as a gift. So whatever way, and, and this is something that, you know, a, certain, a woman could pray about if she's engaged, they can pray together and figure out like, how can we serve and serve in a way that it's gonna cost us something as a part of our vocational preparation and, and see what our Lord puts on your heart. I'm sure he has something in mind for you if he's calling you to this. You know, Beth, in your you guys' new book, this is just, it's full of practical wisdom like this. It's it's full of stories that are just ver- like continuous moments of like, oh, me too. Oh, I'm not the only one when it comes to experiencing like the beauty and the struggle of marriage. Where can listeners pick up a copy of your new book, The Good, The Messy, and The Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life? And how can they connect with you online just to keep a conversation going with you? Sure. That's a great question. So the book is published by Ascension Press, as you mentioned. So ascensionpress.com. Um, I know Amazon carries it as well, but I know, you know, they're kind of fickle. They'll have it and then they won't. So Ascension Press is the best bet to get it consistently. Um, and for me, I, I do have a website. I'm not super active there. It's um, borntodothis.org. And that's after St. Joan of Arc's I'm Not Afraid. I was born to do this. So borntodothis.org. And um, I'm also on Instagram. I do take frequent breaks from it, you know, just a day or two weekly. Um, but I'm, I'm there at Mrs. Beth's three. So I would love to connect and, and just, just hear. And I do, I just know that there's so many, there's so much confusion for women, but there's so much goodness in women and our culture doesn't see that. And, and I really, I just feel it within me to support women in their discernment and their, their vocation you know, we need older sisters, you know, to, to help us through and to just encourage us. Like, it's not going to be this hard forever. Your child will sleep through the night at some point, you know, those types of things. Like, oh, I have so many things. But 
Yeah, I would love to connect. Thanks for asking that, Chloe. Totally. You know, I have one last question. You've answered this in some ways with, with what you were just saying, but I'd love to hear just before we close out this this idea of the feminine genius that John Paul II gives us. How, how do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life? Especially we've talked it here in tonight's conversation as a woman encouraging others to encounter God through their marriage and then cultivate that unity and trust that they were made for. Such a good question. I mean, obviously your relationship with Christ, first and foremost, um, but I, I, there's a quote and I, I need to look it up because I've been thinking about it so much lately from St. Therese. I think it's in story of a soul where she talks about like praying specifically with the scriptures and, and she'll have new lights there, but they won't, she won't make the connection until she's kind of outside of prayer. You know, she'll, she'll think about something and, and really be in conversation and then go and mop the floor. And then all of a sudden, like, boom, something occurs to her. And that, what does that have to do with, with what I'm trying to say? I've realized, like, my vocation, I'd like to think of myself as a well. You know, that, that my time of prayer, my relationship with our Lord, he's putting stuff in me that is not going to be available until somebody comes and needs it. And that's the fruit of just the continual, you know, part of the, living the vocation. And and I'm, I still am in awe. I'm like, that came out of my mouth. Like, that I was able to pull that off for that person, you know, but to be, to be the well that people can come to and ask a question or ask for help or just, just come with their needs and, and to be able to receive them in that. And then just to pass on something, something that I've been given or just learn from my mistake and my failure here, or just to be like, I feel you in this hard moment and I don't want to give you a platitude. I just want to be with you and just hold you in this hard place because it's hard, you know, that type of thing. That's kind of where I've, where I've been sensing our Lord is really tapping into things. And, and I'm just so grateful because I don't have the energy to, to go out and conquer the world like my 27 year old self wanted to do, you know, but I'm just here and I'm available and ready for whatever comes my way. But thank you. Thank you for living out your feminine genius. I think just reading through this book and being able to encounter that part of your soul and your heart through this, it like just being able to encounter that through the words that you've shared has been phenomenal. And to get the chance to sit down and spend some time with you has just been such a joy. So thanks so much for coming on the show. You're so welcome, Chloe. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Letters to Women podcast. You can check out the show notes for my conversation with Beth at my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com, or just scroll down in your podcast player for links to get your own copy of the good, the messy, and the beautiful, the joy and struggle of real married life and connect with Beth online. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to Sacred Heart Tea Company. They're the sponsor for today's episode. And finally, you'll find a link to sign up for my newsletter, Naptime Notes. Every month, I share my favorite reads, the books that the girls checked out from the library, the podcasts and audiobooks that I'm listening into, and some braggable thrift store finds. Naptime Notes is always going to be free. But if you subscribe for $5 a month, you get early and ad-free access to all the Letters to Women podcast episodes before they go live. If you listen to the podcast and you love the conversations and the guests of the show, please leave a rating and review, especially if you tune in via iTunes. And if you know a woman who would love this conversation with Beth, please send this episode her way. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes. If you ever want to share about a guest that you'd love to see on the show or share about your experience as a listener, you can send me an email at letters to women at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And that's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.